Welcome to the podcast by Little Honey Money. Wellness, support, and wisdom for new motherhood in the modern world. Hi, I'm Erica. And I'm Joanna. And this is Little Honey Money. We are here to talk about wellness and support for new motherhood. We speak with experts so we can share their wisdom with you. So today we have Molly Normand with us. She is a perinatal psychotherapist, the founder of Life After Birth, a yogini, conscious parenting advocate, and a mother. Powerhouse. <laughs> Yay. Welcome, Molly. Welcome, Molly. Hello. Thanks for having me. So, so happy to be here. <laughs> we're so happy you're here. You and I, we officially met on the Hey Mama Network, mm-hmm. uh, but I had been following you for a while and kind of just kind of connected with your whole you know, ethos and everything that you stand for. When you and I first spoke, I was so excited to speak with you because you know we were just kind of like same kind of mindset about you know entering motherhood. And mm-hmm. so why don't we start off with what is a perinatal psychotherapist? Sure. So a perinatal psychotherapist is a therapist or a talk therapist who specializes in supporting someone's mental health while they're pregnant and in the postpartum period. Okay. And is that mostly the mom or is that kind of the family, the dad? Is it sometimes group? Like what? Yeah, yeah. that's a great question. So when I work with the, the pregnant person, I'll usually help them create a postpartum plan and provide them with resources during their pregnancy and get them all ready for their birth and the postpartum period. Because a lot of people, when they're anticipating having a baby, they think a lot about the birth and what the baby will need. And mm-hmm. and it's kind of an afterthought to think, what will the birthing person need? Exactly. Um, so yeah. So that's, that's a big part of the work I do with pregnant women. And um, sometimes it, I'll include the partner insofar as I'll email them the Google doc that I'm working on of resources or um, share a book with them that will help educate them. And then sometimes I'll do couple sessions, but mostly I work um, one-on-one with the mom and I do run um, some groups for after birth, hence life after birth. So um, run some groups, um, postpartum and parenting groups. So you really just make sure that they're thinking everything through in terms of their own health and support and their wellness. And what does it look like during healing, which obviously we we never know in advance what it's going to look like, but kind of help them prepare for the, those, unknowns of after the baby comes. Mm-hmm. But mostly exactly. in, in the mental wellness, yes. like the mindset. Okay. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Mm-hmm. I think the women who contact me maybe have had a history of mental health issues such as depression or anxiety mm. and or they're experiencing some of those symptoms during the pregnancy. So w- we really work together to bolster that postpartum time and, and set them up for success as much as possible. And do you see that sometimes if a woman is considered or she considers herself at risk for developing postpartum depression or anxiety, are there things that you can kind of do in advance to help prevent that or kind of minimize Mm -hmm. the effects of it? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. I would say if you think you're kind of in that risk category, if you don't already have a therapist who specializes in the perinatal period to seek one out and to ideally establish a relationship with that person prior to having your baby, just so you already have the rapport built and you already have that relationship going so that if stuff does hit the fan after birth, you have someone to quickly set up an appointment with and and do triage. And then depending on the psychiatric history of someone, they may even want to establish a relationship with a psychiatrist 
while they're pregnant. And some women stay on their meds while pregnant. Some women go on medication while pregnant if needed. So there definitely are, I'm not a psychiatrist, I'm not an MD, but there are safe uh, medications that you can take while pregnant and breastfeeding if you're able to breastfeed. Yeah, well. So those are some like kind of safeguarding mental health things that you can do just to kind of maybe prevent or just set yourself up for support. Also, I do, of course, I'm a proponent of mental health because I'm a therapist. And at the same time, I work really holistically too. So I also like to make sure the birthing person I'm working with is connected with a lactation consultant. And, you know, I know right now during COVID, things are a little tricky, but there are practitioners doing things really safely, some doing things virtually. So there's also adjuncts to treatments such as acupuncture or certain types of body work that can help support the woman's whole health mm-hmm. and perhaps mitigate some things that may happen or that could happen during the birth and after birth. So for example, working with a naturopath and getting certain supplements, making sure you're not anemic or, or things like that. And, and usually the OB or the midwife will be monitoring that sort of stuff. But if you want to have extra people looking out, you can do that too. So those are some of the, the things in addition to just mental health practitioners and other practitioners. I always am looking at support system. And again, during COVID, it's a little bit complicated, but it's possible. So I'm all about kind of building your village as much as possible. Yes, village. we're all about the village. <laughs> Yay. Yay, village. Yes. Um, if a woman is not necessarily at risk of going into motherhood or, you know, has never had any kind of like issues, would you ever recommend that maybe they come see you or, or talk to a therapist just as a preventative measure? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Great question. So yeah, it's just, and, and also just because you have certain risk factors or a history doesn't mean you will develop a perinatal mood or anxiety disorder. And just because you don't have those factors doesn't mean you won't. Right. So if someone wanted to just start to think about postpartum planning and and think about getting themselves the most support so they can thrive, I think it would make sense to meet with someone like myself to just kind of sort it out. Because with birth, there can be birth trauma. There can be, if you have a sensitivity to hormonal shifts, you can really feel the impact of that. Or sometimes there can be a dynamic shift within the, the, the partnership that really can rock the <laughs> the relationship, yeah, you know? totally. So there's all these things that can come up. For me personally, I've always been very, like, a very low-stress person. And there's, like, this underlying, like, part of me that I've, it's kind of like, it was never there before. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't have ever thought to seek therapy for it because it wasn't, right. you know, out like there. Like something for- specific like like that. Exactly. Totally. Like, I've who never would had- you talk to when you're just like, I'm feeling all these kinds of ways. Totally. And I don't know if it's just, like, right now. And, and I bet having that prep before probably would have been really yeah, helpful exactly. in knowing what that is. Yeah. I've talked to a lot of moms that have kind of experienced a similar huge shift. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm an anxious person. So for me, like when I heard we were talking to you, I was like, oh, wow, that's a thing. Because I, I like therapy. I, I know therapy has done really well for me and kind of working through problems and talking through things. And there was, was a lot of fear for me and thinking about stepping into motherhood. And fortunately, my mom's not with me anymore. Mm. So I'm always- so sorry. Who am I going to call? Like, who do you go to? So it's nice to yeah. have like that kind of ability of that support and mental wellness and talk through things that you're just thinking about. But I've also always had this fear of like postpartum depression and I don't haven't had depression. It has yeah. ran in my family, but- 
when you hear about it and when I heard about what women sometimes go through and it's just those things, like our mind is so powerful. Like we don't know Mm -hmm. how it's going to like react. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think kind of what this is all pointing to is there's a a term that encompasses what we're talking about. It's called matrescence Mm -hmm. and it's a similar to adolescence. It's the change that occurs after you have a baby, which is is similar to when you're a teenager, it's you're going through these massive physical, hormonal, emotional, major brain changes. And so I think what Erica was getting at was even if you didn't necessarily meet the criteria for postpartum anxiety, or maybe you did, who knows, but you were kind of feeling into something that you and your friend group were all experiencing, just this drastic change. And there isn't really like a name for it except for matrescence. And I think that word is, it's starting to get more popularized, but I think it can help normalize the awkward transition into Mm, motherhood. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that helps. Yeah, it does. It does help. It just kind of names it. And I think the, the groups that I run generally have women who are in the throes of matrescence, which is everyone who's just given birth. There are some women in my groups who meet the criteria for a perinatal mood or anxiety disorder, but it really, the group really just is kind of embracing and processing that, that transformation. Cool. So in your, in groups, that's a whole other kind of support system then, right? Yes, definitely. It's, it's really, it's, I think it's the best medicine I've found for just the metamorphosis of motherhood. It's just having other people who can relate and who understand. It's like community. There's nothing better yeah, than that. There's yeah, totally. Yeah. Molly, how did you get into this specific industry in perinatal psychotherapists? Like what kind of drew yeah. you to that? I know you, you mentioned you have a, a daughter, a four-year-old daughter. I'd yes, love to hear that yes. a little bit about yes. that. Um, so she was the impetus for me going into this direction in my career So prior to having my daughter, I was working in drug and alcohol treatment centers, and I really loved the work and was really passionate about it. And after the birth of my daughter, um, it was at the end of 2016, it was the, the perfect storm of different risk factors, birth complication, isolation, marital tension, and it just resulted in postpartum depression. Wow. So I... I was really in it firsthand. And I think prior to having a baby, similar to what you were saying, Joanna, I think I was like a little bit nervous. Like, will this happen to me? Mm -hmm. I have a history of depression and anxiety. I'm sensitive to hormonal shifts. But at the same time, I was like, I I thought I was doing all the things to prevent and doing a lot of prenatal yoga and taking all the supplements, doing the placenta encapsulation. I was like, me too. Trying to, like, yeah, I got this. Yeah. Trying to, I was like checking all the boxes right. of like what I thought was what I needed. And then I was really blindsided when I started to, to go under because I think I thought because I'm a mental health practitioner, I'll know, like I'll catch it. Right. And what I realized was I'm not exempt from it. And I was like, I didn't realize that I was in it until I was like really in it. So, and I'm smiling, but it wasn't funny. It's just kind of like, it's good to be on the other side. Yeah. (laughs) What you just mentioned is also, you know, you were able to identify the signs as they were unfolding for you because you're familiar with it. But Mm -hmm. what about, Mm -hmm. you know, a mom that's not necessarily familiar with the signs or, you know, how do you know if you're having it or, you know, where do you go from, how do you prepare for that? Totally. Yeah. So, So basically a good way to differentiate it is about the first two weeks after birth, 
you can experience what's called the baby blues. And it's a very normal emotional time. I think it affects about 80% of birthing people. And it's marked by tearfulness and just up and down of emotions, but it usually resolves itself after two weeks. Whereas postpartum depression, for example, either the onset is after the two weeks or maybe the baby blues like never resolves and just transitions into the into postpartum depression. And to differentiate between matrescence and postpartum depression. So in your like early days and weeks of motherhood, you might feel overwhelmed or you might cry or you might feel feel sad or really frustrated, but it's not interfering with your ability to function. And that's one key factor that mm. can help you realize that it might be something beyond the baby blues or just beyond the quote unquote normal transition into motherhood. Yeah. So if you're just having trouble completing tasks or like leaving the house or doing doing certain things that just are interfering with normal functioning, that can be a sign. Yeah, and, uh, got it. Just to go into anxiety for a second, I think postpartum depression like, overshadows anxiety and other PMADs, perinatal mood or anxiety disorders. But with anxiety, it's like, I think all new moms have like a low level anxious baseline just because <laughs> you're responsible for this new being forever. And it's a lot. And you're trying to balance your needs with their needs. And I think there is an evolutionary functioning of anxiety, just like, oh, I need to like pay a bill. Oh, I need to feed the baby. Oh, I need to do things. But it's when the anxiety just runs amok, when like you just are anxious all the time. And again, it's affecting your functioning. You just can't complete tasks and you can't do regular things. That -hmm. makes sense. And just looping back to when you were feeling the signs of depression that were kind of just like surmounting everything, Mm -hmm. where did you go from there? And getting into this industry. So I kind of knew something maybe was off, but I was like, oh, well, maybe this is just normal. Like I I think I had a lot of shame that I was feeling how I was feeling. Mom guilt. Because I am a yogini and like I'm a therapist and I'm really good with babies and like really nurturing. I think I just was like disillusioned that I was having such a hard time. Yeah. But then I went to my midwife like a little shy of six weeks after birth because I was having some medical complications and she addressed the perinatal mood and anxiety disorder uh, survey that I filled out in the waiting room. Um, It's called Edinburgh Postnatal Depression Scale. So I filled it out in the waiting room and just was really honest and was like, oh, cool. I'm glad they're screening for this. And then when I went in the doctor's office with her, she was, the first thing she said was, I'm concerned about your mood. And so I was really surprised. I'm like, I'm here. I am like, like bleeding and I need some medical attention. (laughs) You're like, help me. And you're worried worried about my mood. (laughs) But it was at that moment and my husband and my newborn were in the room with us. And it was at that moment where she reflected back to me what I was feeling and my husband agreed with her and what he'd been seeing. And so it was at that time where I think I just kind of not like snapped out of it, but I just kind of was like, whoa, like this is, this is really happening to me. I need to get some support. So it was at that time where I really started to seek, reach out and, and to others and let let other people know what was going on with me instead of just like, being kind of secretive about mm-hmm. it, you know, just not like secretive, but just like not telling anyone, right. but just reaching out to good friends and being like, Hey, I'm struggling with depression right now. I need some support. And I started to just mobilize my support system. And that must and, have been such a relief to just like, be like, this is what's happening. And then yeah. you can figure out where to go from there. Yeah, it was, it, it was. And it was a lot of, it was about prioritizing my sleep and which after I started to get more sleep, I started to feel better because there 
there's a huge correlation between sleep deprivation oh and God. depressed mood. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, I'm, that's my biggest fear. We had joked earlier. I was like, I need a night nanny. Like I'm like, yeah. my sleep is so important to me now in my yeah. life. Like imagine with a baby. Yeah. For sure. For sure. So, sleep. so yeah, I started to, to ch- make some lifestyle changes and get better support to get the help that I would need to get better. And I got a nanny and, and things just started to slowly shift. Mm-hmm. And then about nine months after birth, I was like, feeling ready to to go back to work. And I had the luxury of not returning just like, you know, a few months after birth. And um, it was at that time where I felt really called to create life after birth and give back to new moms and kind of, I don't know, like, because I didn't, I thought I was doing everything quote unquote, right. And, mm-hmm. and I thought I was preparing, but I didn't, there was a lot more that I could have done. So I think now I feel really drawn to just help give mothers the opportunity that I didn't have and, mm-hmm. and give them the resources and the tools and the support. And so that's what I, that's what I've been doing for the past nice. three years. And I love the name, by the way. Yeah. The name is so great. Life after the birth. I feel like it's so like, you. like you could have a couple different meanings, but really just makes you like life after birth, like yeah. your life as a human being, as a woman, as like a, you know, working mom, like mom, everything. Like, I just love mm-hmm. that. I love that name. Yeah. We talk Thank a lot you. about identity, mm-hmm. um, you know, in mm. little honey money as well. Yeah. You know, that shift that goes from like, I'm a woman, I've accomplished this. I do this. I do that. This is about me. This is, these are the things that I enjoy. This one, this is what makes me feel good. And then it's like, now you're a mom mm-hmm. period. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like how does that change? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we'd love to hear your thoughts on how to not first lose of all, yourself. Yeah. How to not to, lose yeah. yourself. Yeah. And, you know, what does that shift look like? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. So identity is a major ongoing theme in my one-on-one sessions and my groups. It's just something that keeps coming up, keeps coming up. And, you know, I think it's because, you know, we have this pre-baby identity. A lot of us have professional lives and some women wait longer to have babies than others, or they just take longer to get pregnant. And then, yeah, you just have this, this child to take care of. So yeah, it, I think it takes a while for the birthing person to form a new identity. And I think similar to the pandemic, you know, I think you hear a lot of people saying, or maybe we've even said it, I, you know, I just want to go back. Mm-hmm. I just want to go back to, to like to how normal. it was yeah. to normal. Right. Mm-hmm. And I really we're think air with quoting, the, by the way, everyone. Yes, not, we're, sorry, we're air quoting. We see each other on Zoom, but yes. we're air quoting. Yeah. Yes. There's no going back now. We're just evolving into a new post-pandemic entity. And I think yeah. similar to being postpartum, there's no going back. There's no getting your body back. There's no getting mm. your relationship back. It's just learning how to integrate your previous identity with your new mother identity. And it takes a while to form. Mm. I think we're all kind of in a rush to like squeeze back in our jeans and go back to work and like just kind of have it all snap back together. But it is an opportunity to evolve and kind of become a 2.0 version of yourself. Right. And a lot of the people I work with, a lot of uh, career stuff comes up and I know a lot of moms feel really inspired to do different work or feel really just disillusioned with their current career. And like myself, my birth birthed a new career path. So um, I, I get it. I love what you just said. It's like the, the 2.0 version of you. It's like the better version. You're not like losing it. You're not, but it's like Mm -hmm. looking at it in a way of like, 
you're still yourself. You're like a better version of yourself now. And how do you have that, keep that like positivity and that, that mindset? I love that. Yes. Like I'm, I want to, I want to be a 2.0 better version of myself right? yeah. when I have a yeah. baby. Like I love that. Mind, I love, I love that so much. Yeah. It's, you know, it's the opposite of when we see that, like, you know, a woman's kind of like stripped of all her femininity and all the things that, that you know, the, her hair. the power <laughs> of that, that she held before. Like yeah. Love 2.0. I like that. <laughs> and I think the greatest gift that motherhood has given me is I've become more authentic. And I think a lot of times as a ther- as therapists were wounded healers. And it was interesting how I was so sh- ashamed to be honest about my postpartum depression. But once I was able to break through that and share, it opened up a whole new path for mm-hmm. me. And like, it feels like my life's work now. And it feels, I know that disclosing my struggle to other women allows them to open up and be more vulnerable and share, you know? So it's like, so yeah, that's just kind of, um, one gift that I've gotten through this experience. Yeah. And you know what I love, you know, you've, you've been there, you've kind of like navigated it and now you've gained all this knowledge and these tools Mm -hmm. to be able to share with other women. And so Erica, yeah, I mean, most of (laughs) the honey money really did come from like your own experience. Exactly. Yeah. That's the thing. And you know, this community is just so rich with like people passionate about making experiences better for new moms Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. entering motherhood with, you know, as much of that kind of community support as possible. And that's really what makes our experience better and more enriched. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So thank you for doing what you do. Oh, yes. My pleasure. Thanks for doing what you do. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do have a quick question. So how soon would somebody start working with you? Is it the second they find out they're pregnant? Is it the few months before? Like when do people typically, or when do you see the best outcome when somebody starts working with you along their journey? Yeah, that's a good question. I think ideally maybe the the beginning of the pregnancy could be helpful because mm-hmm. i know you know pregnancy has its own need for support and education and resources when and if i have more bandwidth i want to give more attention to pregnancy because i know in the first trimester it can be very lonely especially because a lot of a lot of people don't feel compelled to share right away they're afraid oh what if i have a miscarriage and then i don't want to have to tell a bunch of people. And then um, it's a time where a lot of people might feel nauseous or just really tired. And you don't have a cute little baby bump to show off. You don't even really legitimately feel oh, pregnant. pregnant. Mm. You're, you're still metabolizing that, wow, I'm pregnant. I'm going to enter into the maiden to mother journey. Um, so I would say ideally a person would, would reach out to me in their early pregnancy for some support. And mm-hmm. I could connect them with resources. And there are pregnancy like support circles out there too. Yeah. And then they um, just basically see you throughout and then post really, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, definitely. Would somebody still see their current therapist and then also see you as like a psychotherapist as well? So they're kind That's of seeing a good both. question. So I would say if they have someone who they're already working with, who does have some knowledge of pregnancy and postpartum and they have a good relationship, they could stick with them. They don't have to switch to someone that specializes per se, but I wouldn't recommend that they see two people at the same time, you know? Yeah. If they felt like they worked with someone who really didn't have much knowledge and really wanted to work with someone who does, then they would switch. Okay. And then since my daughter's gotten older, I felt called to dive more into parenting and really Mm. gotten into conscious parenting. Um, So I offer a specific group for the first year of motherhood and then parenting support beyond the first year. Because after the first year, as Erica knows, they kind of start to enter into the toddler phase. And then you realize like, 
oh, I have to start parenting. You know, (laughs) this cute little baby has is wanting to assert their independence and their voice and their personality comes out. Right. It gets real. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What is conscious parenting? Yeah. Ideally, both partners are co-parenting and involved. So I honestly don't know the the origin of when when conscious parenting began. Kind of, I can share with you some resources that I've found through my journey of aspiring to be a conscious parent. I guess I would start with uh, the Rye philosophy, R-I-E, started by Magda Gerber in the 70s. I wouldn't say it's really called conscious parenting per se, but it's a philosophy that really is respectful of the child and really encourages communication with the, the infant really from the outset and saying things like, I'm going to change your diaper now. I'm going to feed you now. Just really, really communicating. And it's almost the seed of consent, you know, just kind of asking permission for things. So basically there, there's a woman named Janet Lansbury who kind of put a modern um, spin on No bad kids. My, no bad kids. Is that her thing? Yeah. Janet Lansbury? There are I'm no learning bad kids. so much. <laughs> oh, good. Good. This is, this is so good. I love, I love the dynamic between you two, you know, how <laughs> we have it. We have an aspiring mother and a more seasoned mother, yes. and it's a great, it's a great combo. Yeah, <laughs> high five. So yeah, so Janet puts a modern spin on the Rye philosophy, and as Erica said, one of her books, which I recommend, is yeah, it's called No Bad Kids: Toddler Discipline Without Shame. So I think for me, I feel like Rye, even though it doesn't say we're a conscious parenting philosophy, it is very conscious mm. and mindful. Yeah, I agree. So I. You know, I cherry picked from from that philosophy, and then I also took a, a conscious parenting course with this woman who has a company called Welly Nest, and her whole philosophy is just really looking at your triggers as an opportunity to kind of own things that are coming up for you. Because a lot of times with toddler and preschool behavior, it can be really triggering, and the majority of the time, it's it's about our own stuff getting triggered from our childhood. It's about certain parts of our inner child that weren't nurtured or seen. It's, it's a lot of unconscious material that's getting kicked up. So I started to get into it when my daughter was close between two, two and a half was, was a really challenging period for me. And so I started to seek out support and then have been doing some different readings since then. And there's a woman named um, Dr. Shafali who wrote a book. You love her too? Love her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Her work is a lot about just kind of letting go of the ego and the agenda and really accepting the child and their unique soul for who they are, which it's easier said than done. I was going to say, I'm like scared of that. (laughs) I'd be like, you don't want to dress like me and do all the things I did as a kid. Like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Yeah. Our parents didn't think that way. You know, they're just kind of doing the best that they could do. And they're just like, shut up, do your schoolwork and clean your room. And like, I got to go work, you know? (laughs) And now like, I like love looking at these things because I'm just like, oh, wow. Like there are these different like approaches and things to do, but. um, Yeah. And let me say too, that from what I learned in my experience and, and studies of conscious parenting, conscious parenting isn't perfect parenting. So I think we have to l- let go of the perfectionist mm-hmm. and just do our best and know we're going to make mistakes and, you know, be as present as we can, as we can be. And I heard the, the Michelle Obama, her famous, the famous quote of hers applied to, to parenting. And I, I want to reiterate, I don't remember the source of it, but I remember hearing it one time and I think it kind of sums everything up. So applying this to parenting, the, 
when they go low, we go high. Yes. (laughs) You know, I love what you said of just like, it's not being a perfect mom. Exactly. And like Joanna was saying, when, when we grew up, our parents didn't have the same information and tools and now we have it, but it's almost like, it's not a curse, but it just, it puts a lot of pressure on us. We're in the age of information we, we know so much and it's like, it's easy just to have a big burden of guilt, yeah. which is just pervasive with moms. Mm-hmm. Like there's so much guilt. And, um, I think there's a, a spectrum that I like to use with my clients and I wanted to share it with you too. in our audience is it's a spectrum of guilt versus resentment. So when you're having to make a decision, like, let's say as a mom, you're like, okay, I really need to work out today. It's like been a while and I just really need the exercise. And you have to ask yourself, like, can I tolerate a little more guilt right now or a little more resentment right now? So Mm. if you go work out, maybe you'll feel guilty on some level because you're like, oh, my partner had a tough week and now they have to watch the kid or kids or like, oh, my, my child is having separation anxiety and he or she just really wants to be with me right now, but I really need to work out. So if you, if you can tolerate a little more guilt, then, then you'll, be able to take care of yourself. If you can tolerate more resentment in that moment, mm-hmm. then you probably won't work out. Right? The balance. I like that. Cause I feel like the resentment would almost like be poor onto the child, but the guilt is like poor onto you as the Which, mom. Exactly. So it's like yes. that balance. I love it. Cause you're right. It's that kind of like push pull of like, I really want my sleep. And if you kept me up all night the next day, I'm not going to be excited to see you. <laughs> you exactly. Like, exactly. So yeah, I really I, love that. That's a great, great tip. We talk a lot about moms in this. There's the longstanding idea that in new parenthood, the new mom's life, that is who bears this changed life. Do you think that that's still prevalent or is this, you know, are you seeing more of a balance? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's inherently lopsided. And I think it will continue to be that way to a degree because whoever is carrying the child and birthing it, and if they do nurse the baby, it, it's hard to be 50-50. There's no like equal balance possible. That said, I think, um, speaking of raising of consciousness and evolution, you know, I think um, if we're talking about heterosexual relationships, men are are evolving and are are learning to help with parenting more. And, you know, the term co-parenting probably wasn't even around when we were growing up, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think we are making some strides. And I think certainly with the pandemic, there's been a lot of shifting of roles and kind of, again, for talking about heterosexual partnerships, the male is maybe getting thrown into doing more of the domestic work. And if, you know, and just kind of, there's been more less like clear cut roles with the pandemic. So I think it is, it is changing. Um, and I think a book that I would recommend is it's a book called fair play. And, um, the author is a lawyer and a mother of three kids and she, yes, thank you. You know, all my people, I love it. We're on the same wavelength. She creates a whole domestic rebalance system and really one of the key takeaways that I got from the book was that she makes sure everyone's time is valued. No matter if you're making money or you're taking care of doing childcare or domestic duties, it's all valued the same. Because I think there is this belief of like, oh, okay, whoever's making the money, like their time is more valuable than mm-hmm. who's ever taking care of the children or doing the domestic work. Right. And it's really, 
like, it's a really revolutionary way to think. I think it's like, it challenges us to think in a totally different way because the way things have just been historically has been a very traditional model. And there still really isn't a great system for women who work returning to work and being supported in the United States anyways, for having a, a strong maternity support. And yeah. Cause even going to work sometimes like, I love my job. So like, I'm, yeah. I feel like if I was going to work, it's like, great. Like, see ya. Like I'm going to go. Yeah. Like, right. Do you Talk, know where like guys think like go- I'm going to work? It's yeah. You get to talk to people and be around people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're all day with right. this human. I'm exactly. actually like I've done it before, but no, I've, I've heard not. enough and I, and I, yes. and I get it. <laughs> yes, for sure. And also um, one thing I wanted to mention, you know, before I forget is with your journey, Joanna, that those who go through an IVF journey during their their road to having a child, sometimes there's miscarriages that happen along the way. And I just wanted to acknowledge that miscarriages are such like a just an overlooked phenomenon that happens. And it's mm. it's kind of like, oh, you had a miscarriage. You know, it's it's easily dismissed, like, oh, just try again, you know. Right. But then there can be a, a similar, there is a similar postpartum period after a miscarriage similar to when you have a baby. There's that grief and that um, hormonally everything is kind of recalibrating. So um, I guess I just wanted to bring that into this discussion as well for those who are listening on an IVF journey who may have had a miscarriage or are, are, you know, trying to conceive right now. Right. All right. Do you have any last minute tips for women who, you know, are entering motherhood? Yes, I do. So I think we don't know what kind of mother we're going to be until we have a child. And, you know, you might think like, oh, I'm, I'm just going to take a quick maternity leave and just go right back to work. Mm-hmm. Or you might think, I just want to be home with a baby all day. And then you're, you might, it might be a total opposite uh, experience when you do have the baby. And so I guess my biggest tip would be to tune out the static of what family might say or think, what's in the collective, what your friends are doing, and just really get honest and authentic about, okay, what what kind of mother do I want to be? Do I want to work full-time? Do I want to try to work part-time? Do I want to not work at all? And this is also, let me just say the caveat is, this is for those who have a luxury of choosing this. Some women are the breadwinner and they have to go back to work and they don't want to. You know, some women don't have to work and they want to work because they like, you know, to have money and they like to, they love their mm-hmm, craft, you know. Mm-hmm. So let me just caveat with that. But if, if you can check in with yourself and say, this is what I want. This is what's clear and honest for me. And then create that. Mm-hmm. I think that's the best way of just kind of integrating your old identity with your new identity. 2.0. Yes. So 2.0. 2.0. I love that. I love that voice within. Yes. I love that. And I love that because everything, like everything you say and have said, like is very much what we're working towards with, with little, little honey money and what it will become as like a tech, Mm -hmm. tech platform. And, um, yeah, it's just really that, like, you know, preparing yourself in ways that we weren't kind of thinking about preparing ourselves for, in the past. And mm-hmm. I really love that. I love what you're doing. I can't wait to reach out to you when, when I'm finally pregnant. Yes. Yes. Um, but yeah, that was so insightful. So, such great like takeaways. Um, thank you, thank Molly. You, Molly. Thanks so much. for lending your voice and your expertise. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. This is my favorite topic to talk about. Clearly I'm passionate about it. And it, the time flew by. I could talk for four more hours. <laughs> same. So, same, same. Like, I think we need an episode 2.0. Yes. Yes, we do. We do. <laughs> I agree. And, uh, and yes, if moms if moms want to connect with me, I'm on social media on Instagram 
life after birth underscore LA. And you could also go on my website. It's mollynorman.com. So you can DM me or you can email me or call me. Um, and I'm always happy to connect you with resources or support you in any way that I can. So that's amazing. Thank, Thank you, you. Again, Molly. Thank you for listening to the podcast by Little Honey Money. Visit us at www.littlehoneymoney.com and follow along on Instagram at Little Honey Money.